when I do my best speaking. Uh, I apologize for the last uh, podcast that we had to the, to our Instagram audience. Um, man, that bird decided to start becoming obnoxious out of the blue. Um, but yeah, um, I'm sorry that I we, we had a few technical difficulties, and we had to. We, I mean, it wasn't really worth posting, so that's why we didn't post it up last time. Um, hopefully, we don't have any technical difficulties this time, but it's a learning process throughout all this. But yeah, I seem to do best when I speak in front of fire, so we'll give this one a shot and see if it works out. Um, to the IG audience, um, you guys can feel the questions. You guys seem to be the ones that are most curious. Last time we got into some pretty uh, strong topics. I know most people in the U.S. were asking them last time. We Americans usually do put forth some pretty crazy uh, or some pretty interesting dialogue. As I mentioned before, I've, I've, I've always been kind of uh, iffy about even doing a podcast just because it seems like our society is so polarized, everybody's ready to tear somebody down, but it's almost like people are being desensitized to tear, being torn down. And so that's why a lot of times, like, I used to, before I used to kind of get anxious about getting in front of a camera because you're afraid that you're going to say something. And I've said stuff in the past that I know people are going to, like, definitely try and hold against me that I most definitely will not apologize for. <laughs> I think we're all on a learning path. Man, this stick is struggling to light up this time around. Usually these bad boys light up quick. What's up, Pablo? Any of those guys asking any questions or no? No, someone said what's up. No questions just yet. I don't know what it is, man, but America always uh, seems to prompt the most curiosity. Someone's asking... Uh, if, if, it's, if it relates to... Uh, to courses or whatever. I don't want to, I don't want any of those types. By the way, guys, I don't want any of those types of questions just simply because I'm like, it's late at night for me. Like I like to think about things that are not business related. I, I like to have a, I'd like to have like a break from that if I can. So uh, Pablo, I, I will uh, kind of uh, let you know on that because I'm, I'm definitely not trying to field any questions regarding business because then people start asking about, well, when's the next HBS or whatever, and I'm like, uh, you know, coronavirus kind of seems to be uh, <laughs> causing some problems and whatnot. Uh, interesting thing, though, actually, I watched the video of this guy. He's a doctor on, uh, on YouTube, and he was talking about how, um, how much immunity you get or, I mean, how, how vitamin D prevents severe symptoms almost completely when uh, somebody takes, like, uh, you know, I think intravenous vitamin D, um, the numbers were actually pretty staggering. And I think it's concerning that um, we're not getting more, like, research conducted on this. But I don't want to get into conspiracy theories. Someone asked if you can uh, describe tuning into the boring. Tuning into the boredom? Ugh. Just knowing how to chill, man. Like, I mean, really, what, what can it be? Um, most people in our, I, I think, I, but I, I don't think, I think trees have it figured out. But like, let's say, for example, if you have a, a, like, a tree, you cut off its limb, it regenerates a new one. Or a lizard. It's, it seems that whenever something can sit completely still, it's more regenerative. And when I think about tuning into the boredom, what I think about is trying to find an optimal uh, resting state. That's essentially it. And so biomechanics to me, as a, as a practice, I, realistically, I try and move optimally so I can rest optimally. So like, let's say for example, if you have a muscle misfire or if it's constantly misfiring and it never knows when to, when to shut off, because for whatever reason, it's in a constant contractile state or it's dehydrated or whatever it may be. Um, if that situation is always present, it's, it's almost like in limbo. It never knows when to switch off. And 
when I think about balancing the body from, from like a tensional standpoint, like having like good biomechanical balance, what I'm trying to promote as much as possible is, uh, is some kind of a communication between the brain and the muscles. So when it's nighttime or when it's during the day and you're resting, you're actually resting. So what I mean by tuning into the boredom, it's quite literally just being, being able to have the capacity to sit still and not have your muscles and your tissues say, uh, I want to keep moving. This is one thing that I've seen that people just don't know how to do. They'll sit still and read a book. Their eyes got to be moving, fluttering around. Um, and if they're not sitting still, they have to like meditate and like channel their thoughts into like recovery or whatever, which is all fine. I think there's, there's, a, there's a place for that. Uh, on my end, it literally means not doing anything, like literally just sitting there and not doing anything, maybe focusing on your breath. Um, at this stage, I don't like, I'll just sit still and not really focus on anything. And I find that whenever I get into that state where I'm in complete stillness and I'm not, and I'm kind of, I, I guess what I try and th think about doing is taking my vision and orienting it, orienting it uh, peripherally, like sending it out this way, instead of looking at something like through a pinhole, I try and look at life peripherally whenever I'm tuning into the boredom. So that's essentially all it is. And uh, my whole life is built, again, you have to realize a lot of times being able to tune into the boredom isn't really like, it's not just biomechanically rooted. It's like, if, if you have poor social skills, you're never gonna be able to tune into the boredom. You, you can't be socially inept. You can't be like bad in business and or or managing the resources that you do have or managing your life and tune into the boredom. But yeah, my whole life is about being able to just find time to like clear my plate, strategize the way that I need to so I can just literally sit down and, not, and, and feel like I can rest. So yeah, tuning into the boredom is just resting. Maybe hitting uh, DMT states, uh, I guess uh, endogenously. So I don't know. That I, I, the truth is, guys, I, don't, I wish I was better with words. If I was better with words, that would help me a whole heck of a lot more. But I'm not good with words. So I, I, I guess you guys have to... Uh, fortunately, I have, I, I have uh, actions that I can fall back on that uh, enable me to kind of like help me describe what I'm talking about. So when you see results uh, within the practice that I employ, you guys are given the opportunity to, um, to see that, you know what I'm doing works to some degree, but I, I, wish, I really wish I was better with words. I really wish I, I was. I, I'm working on it right now, believe it or not. Yeah, people don't know how to, how to rest, which is why they, they go down this path of constantly taking exogenous substances. You know, that's an interesting topic. Um, you know, People are very much about supplementation, which I think is cool. I think some aspects of supplementation make sense, but I just think people are so inclined to want to ingest more instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to ingest less and do my best to not, um, and do my best to allow my body to calibrate. It's just a, it's a scary space to operate in. And I can see why people don't typically like to go down those paths. What are you drinking, Addy? What am I drinking? Water with the loads of magnesium in it. I went to poop today. It was a little bit dehydrated, so I'm going to soften it up a little bit. In the process of running a company, man, it's, it's really difficult to remember to drink water. This is like a habit that I've never had. I've never been a big, uh, a big water drinker, and uh, I'm learning that it's really important. I mean, I've learned that over the last like three years or whatever. I think I think that's a, a lot of that is biomechanical. I'd say like a, a, most of it is biomechanical. Like, if your fascia has aspects of it that are similar to that of a sponge, if and it seems like it is, if the, if like when I look at a person, I, and I'm gonna do the best that I can to explain this because it's really hard to explain. I wish I was better with words. I really wish that was the case, but I'm a brown man, and brown men oftentimes aren't the best with the words. We're good with our hands and moving stuff around. But anyway, um, 
Are you serious? How close is this bird getting? Can you go check him, babe? Yeah, go. Yeah, go check him. <laughs> that freaking dog, a Jack Russell Terrier. I, I got like four high performance dogs, um, all that still have their balls. All males, all that still have their balls. Um, I'm second guessing whether I should have made that decision or not. Um, and now I have a fire just blazing in my face. But no, I'm, I'm doing okay. Anyway, going back to the whole. Um, what was the question again, Pablo? Why are we so dehydrated? Like, I'm doing the best that I can to explain this. Why are we so dehydrated? Like, when I look at a human being, uh, when I look at all animals, like, all animals are asymmetrical. So we all have a predisposition towards, um, especially as we age, to essentially um, to spiral in one direction. And so what I could imagine it as, like, when you're born... You're, you haven't favored a spiral and you're mostly water. And so when you grow older and you choose a spiral, you say, I either want to rotate to my left or I want to rotate to my right. My hips want to rotate to my right. My ribs want to rotate to my left. They favor to tilt to the left. Uh, my intercostals favor to create compression on the left. Uh, they favor to decompress on the right, whether that's external, internal. Um, when your body be develops this favoritism, what I essentially the best way I could describe it is like, imagine you have a moist towel and what you're doing is just twisting it, twisting it, twisting it, and twisting it over and over and over again until the water begins to kind of seep out. And so most people usually think, they have this perception that, you know what, you're going to be healthy. You're not going to be, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's people's perception. I kind of operate on a, on a counter perspective to that because most people figure, well, you got to exercise to stay healthy. And, and I will agree to that to some degree, but where I, where I disagree uh, is that every time that you move, you're going to move in the direction of your spiral. And every time you do that, you're slowly wringing out the water from your body, favoring those asymmetries. Because the, the whole thing is when you spiral in one direction into whatever your dysfunction is, or if you don't spiral because you don't move that well, but when you spiral in one direction, little by little, the, the water begins to seep out and you develop more and more calcium deposits. That's what I believe facilitates dehydration on, on most like dogs, cats, on vertebrates, I guess that would be the case. And that's what I feel is, the, is what, what's problematic in the world. And there's lots of people, there, I think there's enough people in the industry now that are trying to like undo the spiral. But the problem is that when they try undoing these spirals is that like <laughs> there's literally probably hundreds of thousands of variables they need to account for when they undo the spiral to create this hydration, but they're missing the point of that. And you get all kinds of people. Some people say, you know, you got to get outside and get grounded. Like you, you have to, you have to ground yourself outside in order to like get electron flow. So then your mitochondria can uh, produce water and whatnot. All that stuff counts, but it pale, when it comes to hydration, it pales in comparison to being able to move well. And that's kind of what I focus on. So I've, if you were to ask me why are people so dehydrated, I would first say that the main reason they're dehydrated is because um, they don't know how to move fundamentally. And when, when I think about what a person is, what humans are, after all the grains that we've consumed, all the foods that we've consumed that aren't good for us, I just, all I can see are just cells dehydrating, 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 dehydrating. A, a grain-based diet just dehydrating a human being uh, because you know grains are dry. They dehydrate you. It's a dry food. And from one generation to the next, little by little, they pass on their degenerated genes, I guess is how you would say it. Um, they pass on their degeneration to the next generation. And, uh, you know, whatever it's been since we've had civilization, you end up having a species that's just... I, I wish I could paint a better picture of what I see with people when I, when I look at their... Uh, when I see their imbalances, like... Because most people think, oh, you know, you just have one muscle that's shortened and one muscle that's lengthened or whatever. I'm like I, what I try and see is I'm like, okay, there's like a balloon that's supposed to be like expanded. And that balloon is not, it's like the, the balloon is like here and it's continually doing more of more of this. Every hu human's supposed to have a certain level of expansion where it's like out to about here. And we're all about like right here. And it's so hard to describe that. And so the only way that I, I think I'm ever going to get people to understand kind of what I'm seeing to some extent is when 
I finally do this on myself and I do it on other people. And I still need to learn a lot more to really like showcase that, you know, like dehydration is, is fundamentally a biomechanical problem. I mean, it's, it's linked to many different things. Obviously you need to drink water. And most time people figure I'm dehydrated. And so what I need to do is take electrolytes. It's like, well, if you don't have tissues to put the electrolytes in, if your muscle, if you don't have the, if the fascia can't receive the electrolytes and the muscle can't receive the, the electrolytes, it doesn't matter how many electrolytes you drink. I, it's just so hard for a person to understand how, and, and like, how dysfunctional they are. I don't think they can understand it. It's so foreign to them. I have a like. Let me put it this way: I think that Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson, or Barry Sanders should be like a fundamental base point where we start at with our movement. And to most people, that they would think that I'm crazy. But in future civilizations, it won't be like that. It won't be crazy. They just have Bo Jacksons running around wherever. That's what that's what I believe. A future. I think eventually, people are going to arrive at that, or we go down the transhumanist uh, path, which is going to have us like you know with bionic arms and whatnot, which I think is going to be very complicated. That's going to be a very difficult ordeal to try and orchestrate. And I don't know if that's going to be, uh, <laughs> I don't know how feasible that's going to be without having like a million problems pop, pop up. I think maybe that we're about a hundred years out from being able to like really buy, have somebody become like some bionic organism or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think people tend to be dehydrated just simply because like obviously they don't they don't move well i think they need to they need to get their movement in order and since they don't have it in order they keep spinning their wheels in the sand and that's the crazy part most people don't even really care people kind of care about hydration but they don't realize how much it's like how it's so fundamental it's so fundamental to life it's they understand that but they just don't see it and then like when you correlate it's saying like look man if you if everything if I have a sponge and I squeeze it, and I, which is a form of compression, right? I'm compressing the sponge and all the water seeps out. Somehow they don't like put two and two together to say, if, if I, if I um, do that to my body, then I'm squeezing water out of my body and like installing calcium deposits. Maybe that's not physiologically how it works. Maybe I have it wrong. But when I look at it from an from a external standpoint and I see dehydration, because on the body, because certain places don't move. Um, this is kind of how I end up drawing my assumptions. But yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a little bit on dehydration. I'm, I, could, I could go on for hours upon that topic. It's really interesting. Well, you've talked about like your loop and being in loops. Do you think society has a general loop that it's stuck in? Yeah, well, I wouldn't call it a loop. I would call it a spiral. And it seems to be going <laughs> on a downward trajectory. <laughs> Because it's, 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 because it, if you call it a loop, it's kind of like saying, you know, people are, and people will be like, they would, they would probably argue with me and say, man, people are living longer. So, you know what? It's like, so maybe we're on an upward spiral. Um, I, th I think if FP can keep doing the work that it does, then maybe we can put, turn it into some kind of an upward spiral. But the way I see it is kind of like, I mean, if, if we have the option between Donald Trump, like, honestly, like, knowing what I know now, if, if I was able to vote for a liberal uh, candidate or a Republican, I'd probably tend to lean more towards a Republican because they seem to understand how the world works a lot better. That's where I would probably lean towards. And I, for the longest time, would, would consider myself leaning more towards uh, the Democratic Party. But if our choices over the last four, will, will now be eight years, will be Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, or Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I mean, we can't say that we're like in a loop. We have to call it a downward spiral. And when I look at like the things that people worry about, like, like think about it this way. I, I, I put up a post and I said, man, if you're eating, if you're consuming something, if you ate something today, congratulations, pat yourself on the back. Give yourself one of these things because if, if you eat, that means that in some way, shape or form, you were civilized enough to partake in the rules in this society you're successful. It's like you, you, you're, you know what the rules are and you're like at least playing within the confines of civilization. You're successful to some degree. For me, when I, when I first moved out of my hometown and I moved to San Diego, 
and I started like, you know, eating food, I was like, man, I'm victorious. I ate food. You know, I worked on my own. Like, you know, like I, I have my job, my, my passion, which is like fitness is feeding me. I'm successful. That's what I saw myself. That's what I saw most of my life. I was like, oh, you know, what? I'm, I'm a successful person. And, uh, people are becoming more and more detached from those realities. Like I was watching a video yesterday from, from a dude. He was actually talking about how um, capitalism might be on its way out. It's kind of like, you know, that we're in late stage capitalism is what I believe he, he discussed it as. Um, and at some point he mentioned that there was a guy named Carnegie. I believe he was an oil baron or I don't know what you would classify it as, but he was... Very, very wealthy man. By old school standards, back when Theodore Roosevelt was president, which is back in the early 1900s, this guy was worth, I believe, $320 billion. Jeff Bezos is worth about $200 billion by today's standards. So you can only, like, I think it calculates out to like, this guy was worth like several trillion dollars. That's how, that's what his net worth was. Whereas when you look at Jeff Bezos right now, he's worth 200 billion and people are ready to put a, a, a like, a guillotine, like they put in a guillotine outside of his house. I think people, although inequality is there, I think what people seem to not pay attention to is that, you know, some things are getting better. Like I was talking about before, we're on a downward spiral as it comes to our perspectives, but some things are clearly getting better. We don't have monopolies like they existed like a hundred years ago. It's things are definitely getting better. Industrialization, it's not like the industrial age. Um, and I think people are detached from the good of having a toilet, you know? Like, we don't have to worry about cholera, which is was one thing that used to happen all the time. Like, you don't have to see poop going on down the street, like, like or, or, or sewage systems failing. That doesn't seem to happen in the first world. But people still seem to be very upset. And they're upset about this concept called inequality, saying, like, you know what? Uh, we lack equality in our society, and that's why we're failing. And on my end, I'm like, the, the problem with certain terms is that like they don't they don't go far enough because if I say you know what look we all have a spending potential of five dollars but in order to feed yourself uh, you know you need to have fifty dollars per day like so you have a spending potential of five dollars per day if we were all equal in terms of our, our our spending potential it's like what would that matter if if we're all equal and we can only spend five bucks. It's like, I believe that the equality thing just comes back down to the fact that like, you know, people have a, uh, a big ego. People have egos and they compare themselves to other people all the time. And if somebody's more successful than they are in this life, instead of just being like, well, you know what? That's just, maybe that's the way the ball bounces. And maybe my life is simpler. Like some people are like, you know what? I wish I was Dan Bilzerian. And I'm like, I don't know. If, like Dan Bilzerian's life isn't necessarily easy. Um... It's not like his life just comes, uh, you know, like with no problems. It comes with problems. He has to deal with stressors. Why do you think he has to take all these drugs and steroids and all this? It's like it comes with problems. So I feel that the reason that we're mainly in a downward spiral, because that's what this is still about, right, Pablo? Is that what we were discussing? The reason that we're in a downward spiral, a lot of times is perceptual. I, I don't, th I don't think it, it's hard to give a population of people context when they've, when they've never had it. Like, I don't know. I, I came from, I came from a, from an upbringing where, you know, there was seven of us living in a like nine, 90 square foot travel trailer. That's what I remember starting out from. That's my first memory. I w wake up and I had some uh, big, I had a purple jumpsuit or of some sort or pajamas with Big Bird on it. And I was in a tiny little trailer or whatever, and it was all normal to me. I came from that. And then I saw like my family slowly grow and I've seen like where I've come from. I've, I've gotten to travel different places and really see like real, some real poverty and then, you know, see kids begging and whatnot. And I'm like, damn, you know, I have it good. And, and I feel that people in, in the United States especially forget that. They're very entitled to a lot of things. And I think entitlements are good. Like, you know, human rights are important and we, we, we have to be very, very watchful of, 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 uh, of oppressors like popping up and, and holding back progress in society. So it's not to say that it's all wrong. It's just at, at, at some stage, it's just kind of like, 
you need to be pro progressing in your own life and at the same time improve society. And I don't see people doing that. And I think that that's why we're in a downward spiral. That's why we're kind of decaying. I think we're going to pull ourselves out of it, though. I, I, I do trust in people's ability to learn from their mistakes. And uh, I, I, it's not just, so I think we're in a downward spiral. But right when we get towards that end, we're going to be like, you know what, man? What are we doing? Uh, many people will be like, you know, maybe we should train in relation to our biology. Maybe we should uh, look at ourselves as degenerates and, uh, and try and become, do, do the best that we can to turn into regenerates. Maybe this is what we need to, uh, maybe this is a path that we need to take. I, I'm assuming at some point people will make that. My goal in my life is to do whatever I can to force that issue. And in order for me to do that, I got to get astounding results, which is my daily frustration. Because if I don't do this, then people will be like, well, what's a degenerate? What's, how do we classify a degenerate? And I'm like, anything that's not Bo Jackson. And you know, that's one thing. I've never been called crazy for that. And I tell people, you know, Bo Jackson should be like the, the base. It doesn't seem to be it. It doesn't seem to be like something that people want to entertain that much. <laughs> no, that's good. That's a good question. I'm just like, yeah, bro. I mean, come on, for sure. It's like, they're good questions. I like the questions, guys. Keep them coming. Um, yeah, do, uh, does not being able to move facial muscles, for sure. But I mean, I think this this whole notion of like, the face and whatnot. You guys have seen like some changes. You guys may have noticed some changes that I've made on my face and whatnot. Um, whew, I'm, I'm just getting it right in the face right now. Good old smoke. Oh, come on, guy. Come on. <laughs> Maybe we won't do this in the future. Jesus Christ. Like, it just keeps coming my way. Fuck. Forgive my uh, my uh, faulty verbiage, guys. Holy shnikes. That's crazy. No, it's fine. It's fine, Pablo. We're good. We're good. We're good. It, it'll, the, the fan just got to do its work. Once we burn through... I just got to make sure I get ahead of the fire, not behind it. So I got to make sure I keep feeding it wood. Oof. That got me good, that one. Um... As you were asking me again, Pablo, I'll do the best that I can while I got this smoke screen in my face. It was about the face. Smoke was not being able to move and do dysfunctions. Speaking of face muscles, you guys see my face muscles? I'm struggling over here. Um, yeah, I, I think that whole notion of, uh, of not being able to, uh, to move your face can be problematic, but it's like... How do you change it? It's like there's, there's a subtlety in facial expressions and it's like, like I was telling you guys before, if your cranium is supposed to be this big and your mandible is supposed to be this big, it's like, the question that I ask is how do you get it that big? So then you can actually like, exp like in order for a muscle to fire, it needs to have a length potential. Like in, the muscle needs to lengthen and then from there, it'll enable you to create some kind of a contractile tension. If your cranium is compressed like this all the time, if our brains are, are being smashed like this all the time because of compression, if our skulls are being smashed, then all the tissues that are attached to the, to the cranium are still in a, in a constant state of shortening. A lot of times they're just not even functioning. It's just pretty much, it becomes um, over-collagenated or calcified. So the, the whole idea is, it's like, how will not being able to move your face be problematic for sure? But the question that I ask is like, what do you do about it? That, and that's a lot, that's a, a lot of what I like. Keep this in mind. Like, there's so many things out there that I'm like, you know what? That's good. That's good. That's good. But what are you going to do about the problem? So, yeah, of course, not being able to move your face or have proper facial expressions is going to have really severe consequences on the, on the body and on the brain. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very problematic as well. So, at some point, and, and I've seen the way that people do face exercises and. You want to talk about something that may, people have, especially if from the, from the circles, like where it's more like, um, how do I put it? Real far left, the far leftist, uh, people that are like, uh, how do I put it? 
I, I don't want to sound condescending. The people who are very spiritual, who tend to oftentimes be very expressive, what, they're, what they essentially are is, is hypermobile in their face. And so essentially what I try and do is induce the least amount. Like sometimes I make some weird faces and whatnot, but I, when, when I'm at my best, I, I do whatever I can to not have such strong facial expressions or such exaggerated facial expressions because it's really damaging on the, on the skull. It's really damaging on the body. Um, oftentimes when I used to really get into social media, I could figure a person out pretty quick by their, by their uh, profile picture and the amount of expression that was on their face. I'd be like, oh, there's that much expression on their face. This is what their lifestyle must be. And then I would click on the profile and I, I could almost predict a, a, a set pattern of beliefs that they would have in relation to that facial expression. And typically the, the, the more exaggerated the expression was on the face, the more spiritual they happened to end up becoming. It was it's very interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think nowadays, since we're in the age of the influencer, everybody's got, and keep in mind, I, I went through a phase in my life where I didn't prove myself, where I was giving out advice to other people. Everybody, when they're young, everybody, when, everybody, if they feel like something works for them, will give advice on what to do in life. And it's fine. Like, let me put it this way. If, if you want to get to level, if there's a level 100, and let's say if I'm, I'm going to get to like level 100. There's 100 levels that you can get to. If you want to get to level 10, there's a lot of people that you can get advice from, right? My question is, is what are you going to do for people when they're like at level 50 and they need to get to 60? Or how do you get somebody to level 50? How do you get somebody to level 20, level 30? My concern is, yeah, what you're saying is cool. It's going to get them to level 10, and the questions that you're prompting, making, like, uh, people talk about, like, you know, you need to go to, towards obstructions or obstacles or whatever it may be. Like, you get into all these, uh, into, like, all these philosophical discussions. Every, every life coach, every uh, self-help guru has their path in terms of how they like to do things. And realistically, what I, what I, what I gather from most self-help curriculums is that they teach you to become novice at mostly everything most of the time. So as I see it, but keep in mind, like, I don't, I don't spend my time reading self-help books. What I'm trying to do is get people to operate at the highest level. And so I try and ask the highest level questions that I can ask as a person who's obviously tackling a variance of different projects. I don't, nobody's given me handouts in this industry, as you guys know, I'm not getting like, I'm not getting the massive podcast to knock on my doors to say, Hey, Naudi, uh, freaking come on my podcast. I don't get that. I have a legitimate brand and I, and I can understand that it's, it's, it's a bit like functional patterns is an industry disruption. It really is. And, uh, you know, in order for me to make it in this world and keep this in mind, I, I also don't have the looks. I, I think if my name wasn't Naudi Aguilar and my name happened to carry that of, of more of an Anglo-Saxon last name, like if I had a first and last name that was more um, appealing to white Americans, that would probably make functional patterns grow a lot more. Uh, I have to work really, really, really hard. I have, to, I have to make very intelligent decisions and be very precise about the choices that I make in order to, to succeed in this world. And, uh, and in order for me to do that, I have to like think at a very high level. And so for me, when it comes to taking advice from people, it's like, yeah, you know, anybody can give you advice. If somebody says, you know what? I've been doing fasting and it's helping me. Maybe you should do fasting. And if it ends up helping you, then that's awesome. That's a great thing. If somebody says, you need to become more disciplined, duh. <laughs> I mean, what you're talking about is the miraculous equation. It's like, how do you get a person who's never learned discipline from their entire childhood to overcome their impulses to want to become disciplined? Well, there's a great deal of suffering that's usually going to be involved with that because you're going to be bumping your head up against the wall. So the question comes down to it's like, how do you teach them from, uh, how, do you, how do you help them bump their head against the wall and not smash their face directly into the wall and then like incapacitate themselves? What do you have to do to help them, to prevent them from being able to do that? So on my end, it's like, I don't take advice from it. Let me put it this way. I don't take advice from most people. I don't take advice from the majority of people. Because quite honestly, 
the, if somebody's giving me advice and they're not trying to understand my position first or my perspective first, then they're not going far enough. So on my end, I, I, I typically don't, I don't give out advice. I, I think the people that give out the most advice uh, usually are the ones that aren't doing as well. Their application is generally faulty. I don't give out, like, I, I know I, I'm on my social media outlets, I, I, I give out my perspectives, but I don't, sometimes I'll give out advice and I know people want that because they want certainty, but truth be told, there is no certainty in life. So um, I don't know. That's as much as I can speak on that. So I don't know, Pablo, you can maybe... All right. Uh, why do chambers feel so good? And can you can can you be addicted to corrective exercise? Um. So why do chambers feel so good? Why do they feel good? You're putting hydration in pockets of your body that you would have never put hydration in. It's quite literally one of the few biohacks that I think that actually works. You're putting hydration in a in a way that the body never had before that's probably it. You're just taking a spot that was like dead. And then you, what you did is you literally just went, you took like a balloon, like you pretty much, you grabbed a, a, a can of toothpaste or whatever, you squeezed it and then you pumped fluid into like the next pocket of tissue that was in your body. So then you're like, oh, look, I have new mitochondrias. I'm marinating, dog. That's, that's, what I would, uh, that's what I would gather. That's why they feel so good. And most of the time you feel buoyant. Nobody wants to feel dry and clunky. Yeah, you, everybody's heard that expression. You know, you need to move fluidly. You need to be fluid in your movement. Well, there's quite literally, like, literally speaking, you want your move, movement to be fluid, viscously fluid, not like dehydrated fluid, but I, hopefully you guys get what I mean. Now, what was it? Can you get addicted to chamber sequences? Um, corrective exercise. You can get addicted to anything, really. Like, you, yeah, you can get... You, I'm sure you can get addicted to it. Is it, is it a, a dysfunctional thing to be addicted to? Uh, that, this is, that's the question, right? Are, are, are some patterns that you... Because an addiction pretty much describes, okay, that you, that you have an attachment to something that's, that's self-destructive, right? That's, that's the case. If you're not doing the chamber sequences correctly and you're missing variables, then yeah, it's going to be destructive if you're always doing corrective exercises. Guys, so many times, Pablo, how many times have you seen me just sitting there? It's going like, what's here? What's there? That's what I, I spend my time thinking all day long. I do, I do thought experiments all day long, all the time. And sometimes I have to cavitate my way out of a dysfunction. Nowadays, I can't. I have to like, actually, have to, I physically have to understand biomechanics to a degree that's actually going to solve the problem. Like, I, I, like, it's very, I have a very, I've been having a very uh, rough time lately with biomechanics, my God. But uh, oftentimes, I guess the rougher the time, the better things are. But anyway, going back to that whole idea of, of, can you get addicted to corrective exercises? If you do it correctly, no. It's impossible to. I, I, don't, th I don't think it's possible to. If you could account for literally every single movement in every cell in your body, you would be in complete harmony. If you could get your entire body functioning perfectly, if you had every single part of your body buoyant and ready to move and you could potentiate every single cell, there's no way you would feel bad. You'd be, you'd be if, you were, if you were in a situation where you were going to die and you had to like sw go out swinging, you would go out swinging in peace because you'd be like, hey man, like I've, I feel fucking great. I feel, ready to I feel ready to die. Sometimes you'll see fighters talk about that where they'll be like, I was ready to die. go in there and die tonight. And they usually end up winning. They're like, yeah, I was ready to die tonight. I, I was ready to die. And I think it's like, I don't think the pursuit of that or if you're going to execute on that. If, so the, the, the thing is, functional patterns as a concept is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. What's flawed is our execution. And so in that sense, I don't know if you can get addicted to something that it's supposed to make you better. And changing your mechanics makes you better substantially. And there, there's like, it, it's amazing to me how little people value like changing mechanics. Like, of, I could tell you guys of a story of, of you know, like athletes who, who lost trust or not, didn't even lose trust. Before they could give me trust in what I was doing, uh, <laughs> they would ditch out and go do stem cells. And then I'd be like, let's see if that works out. 
and it doesn't work out because no matter what you do with the stem cell, no matter what you do with all these intravenous therapies or whatever, with, with uh, injecting yourself with vitamin uh, drips or whatever, no matter what you do, it's like you're still facing compression. Gravity's still bombarding you. Gravity doesn't just choose to disappear at some point. It's going to still be there. So um, I feel that biomechanics is possibly the purest way if you do it correctly, if you understand what you're doing and you, and you do it patiently and your psychology enables the changes to happen the way that they're supposed to happen, I think it's, it's the, the best way to solve most of your problems. The best way. If I could think of a magic bullet or the panacea, it's going to be that. Altering biomechanics and making yourself more efficient is the actual panacea. And uh, I believe that's how you call, what you call it. But... Um, yeah, if you're altering your biomechanics to move perfectly, you're, you're doing what I believe humans were set out to do. That's one of the most important things that we could do ever. What do you do on your days off? <laughs> <laughs> days off. I don't have days off, bro. And the problem is it's like on my days off, it's like my, my chill time is actual work. If I could just be like researching things and trying to figure things out and studying things, if I could do that all day long, man, that, that to me is a vacation time. The actual work is when I'm chilling. I freaking like guys like Elon or whatever, you could tell they don't, they don't know how to rest, man. It's because resting is work. So what do I do? Um, I do my best to stay away from the phone. And you guys are probably noticing that more if you're on my Instagram. I'm stepping away from the phone a lot more. I do my best. Um, to do that. So what I do on my days off is I struggle like worse than any other struggles that I could possibly have with myself, with my impulses, with my amygdala, because my amygdala is like, what the hell, man? Like, come on, need a little cortisol. You got a little, any, you got any, like, remember my amygdala is not saying that, but my body, the association they're saying, my body's going like, man, we need some cortisol, man. You, you know, we need to answer some anti-inflammation. And then when I take away the, cortisol, anti-inflammation, uh, I then end up uh, going like, wow, you know, I kind of feel like crap. <laughs> and then you end up feeling like crap for a while and you're like, you know, I need to do something. And I'm like, no, I don't. You just need to sit there and feel like crap. You need to just sit there and deal with the consequences of your poor decision-making. And so oftentimes when I'm in the middle like, of like a work zone and then I get out of the work zone and I go like tune into the boredom, I just feel terrible. Nowadays, what I'm learning now is how to take days off. I'm actually learning how to do that. So that's what I spend my time doing on my days off is uh, coding biomechanics. I, I try and do whatever I can to not focus on tackle, like my inventions and whatnot and, and, uh, and developing prototypes. I spend my time trying not to do that so I can like brainstorm and think about the future as well as the present. Like I try and think about both of those and then uh, and in the midst of all that, um, regenerate. That's mainly what I try and do on my days off. Well, someone said that they have loved ones who kind of take pride on saying things like, uh, or not being able to sit still or tune into the boredom, and they just kind of fight for that. What do you think about statements like that? Um, yeah, man, you should take pride in your work. I think it's great. I think you should take pride in like working hard. I think that that's fundamental. And, um, <laughs> but bro, if you keep doing that forever, you're going to deteriorate. Like you're not going to, you can't survive like that. It's like at some point, if you don't learn how to rest, they, you know what people do when they don't learn how to rest, they go to a doctor and they say, Hey man, like, uh, can you give me a pill? Because I don't want to change. And then when you're in your fifties, that's when the, I mean, you ever notice how, how fast how slow somebody ages between the ages of 20 to 40 most of the time. How fast do people age between, between 40 to 60? It's very fast. It's, really, it's rapid how quickly people age between 40 and 60. I want to be like the prototype of what a person is supposed to age like between 40 and 60. I'm approaching 40 years old right now. And I have every intent on like showing like, look, this is how you can age between 40 and 60. And you want to know why? between 40 and 60, they age so poorly, especially people who are financially well off, people who are financially stable. Oh my God. They especially don't age well because they never learn how to, how to actually rest. So the whole thing is, it's like learning how to rest is the actual work. 
the, the, harder, the, the harder your work ethic is going to be, the more difficult it is to, to train your body to actually repair. It's gonna be more difficult. So the whole thing is like, you can, you can take pride in like having a good work ethic. Like I think that's good for a human to have. I mean, for how long, I don't even know. I mean, what's gonna end up happening when like, you know, the singularity hits and then we have like, you know, people um, being completely replaced by, uh, by robots and whatnot. I mean, I don't know how they're gonna deal with that. But so far as I see it for myself personally, um, I have a, I have a tough time repairing. I can work like, uh, and I there's people that were there. Uh, I've worked forty hours straight. When I was writing the Power of Posture, I was literally uh, working. What what the hell was it? I was working. Uh, freaking what was it? I, I I probably slept for the whole week, maybe twenty hours. And so I can work, but the, the, the whole thing is it's not being like, that's an insecure. You know what? When it's all said and done, it's like if you really don't want to heal, it's just an insecurity. It's somebody's ego saying, you know what? I don't want to change. I think that's a lot of it. And so um, if somebody tells you that, it's like you can't change their mind most of the time because they're going to be like, you know, I, they, they want to carry that mentality. It's like their ego that's telling them like, you know, I work hard. I'm a hard worker. I'm valuable. It's their coping strategy. And so that, which I think is great. I, I think most people, more people should take pride in the work that they do. I think if we had, if we had more people that operated like that, it would be, uh, we'd live in a much better world. Unfortunately, we don't. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of suffering because people don't take initiative on the things that they're supposed to be taking initiative with. So I don't know, man. I, I, I think that the real work, especially for people who are grinders is learning how to like rest. That, that's, re, that's where the real job begins. That's real work. Blast this fan a little bit. I don't know if that answers the question or not, but whatever, that's as good as I can do. Uh, someone just recently asked, uh, if you had to redo the 10-week program, what would you do different? You'll see. I already did. We did a few things different. For those of us who've already bought the 10-week online course, it's going to be a free re-up, completely free. Um, once you get it, it'll come in an app. So we're going to have it in an app. There'll be an, on, uh, a website variation of it. And then we'll actually have an, a physical app, which will make it much easier to navigate, but you guys will see. Um, honestly, guys, there, there's some things I could maybe change fundamentally, but if, if I make FP2 highbrow, then nobody's going to retain the information. So that's why on my end, I don't like I can't just drop like ridiculous knowledge bombs on one of these courses if somebody's still learning. Like I can't give you, uh, you know, calculus if you still haven't even learned how to count yet. And that's, and that's one thing, that's a frustration that people always have when, when they're in FP. They're like, you know, I feel like nowadays withholding information and whatnot. And it's like a lot of times I'll explain some things or whatever. I'll explain some things and you always fully understand it right off the gate, Pablo. It months, yeah, it takes a while. So it's kind of like, it does, it's not just like, oh, I teach you the technique and then all your problems get, get fixed. I'm like, no, first and foremost, I'm trying to conceptualize it myself. So it's like, there's levels to this and there's no skipping the levels. And even if somebody's trying to tell you, oh, I've mastered, I've found, there's a code to it for sure. And I feel like what we're doing at FP is cracking the code. And I feel like I'm doing a lot of that code cracking. And so uh, for sure. There's levels. You can take somebody and figure things out a little bit faster if you know a certain few things. But you, there's always everybody talks about the basics or the fundamentals or the foundations. I'll have a video on that here pretty soon. You guys will see it, and uh, it's pretty cool. I think you guys will like it. But um, would I change things about the ten week online course after we just filmed this one, man? I, I don't think we would. I think it, it's freaking. It's really well put together, especially this new one. I think you guys are really going to dig it. I'm looking forward to seeing your guys' reactions. It's going to be really cool. I'll, I'll field two more questions and then we'll close it out. Okay. Um, I guess this is someone something that most people could use. Uh, what are some good resources that we can use to try and understand what you're trying to do? Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, there, I, yeah. Johnny just said, yeah, this podcast. I guess this is going to be it. Yeah, keep in mind, I'm not trying to do this uh, permanently. You know, like one, one, a dilemma that 
content creators always have is that they always have to keep creating content, meaning that you have to entertain amb like ambiguous nonsense 99% of the time. Well, let me put it this way. If I can give you the information that's going to solve your problems and give you a, a, a better path in life, then ultimately, what do, what, why do I need to end? Like, let me put it this way. Most people have insecurities. And a lot of those insecurities stem from not looking as attractive as we wish we did look. But what if I had the solution to make you, to give you that attractiveness? The odds are you would feel much less insecure and the odds are you'd be less at odds with society that kind of like neglects you. So the whole purpose of this podcast is to kind of like eliminate the ambiguities not entertain the nonsense anymore. Still give you guys clarity. I'll, I'll still break down topics of what I see in society from time to time, but I have no intent on uh, running this podcast forever and then have like getting sponsors and all that. I already have my company Functional Patterns. I've already organized it well enough to where I'm like, you know what? I can make a living through that. And uh, realistically, my goal is to have this thing end within a year, maybe a year and a half after I get everything that I've said said. And then maybe just ch pop in from time to time. But there's not like, oh, I'm going to have this episode or that episode or then like interview that this guy who doesn't solve any problems. And then let me interview another person that doesn't solve any problems who's still like scratching the surface of something. Now let me interview somebody else that solves no problems. I, I think if anything, what I'll probably end up doing, what I'd like to do uh, eventually is uh, bring people onto the podcast if they're even interested in it. Because whenever, for whatever reason... I try and be uh, cordial. I do whatever I can. And it's been like this maybe my whole life. Maybe I'm just socially inept and I can't help it. But I reach out to people and they just, they just leave me high and dry. I did it back in the day. No, People always left me high and dry for whatever reason. So if I could reach out to people from, from companies that I really like, for example, like BioLite, I could probably reach out to them. But I don't know if they're going to want to like oblige and be like, okay, let's um, let's have let, let, let me go on your podcast and 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 uh and tell you about my struggles with my company or why we do what we do if they're willing to do that i would like to bring people on like that onto a, like a, into a, like more of a an interview form but truth be told i don't see a lot of people solving problems in this society to the degree that i wish they did so i'm just going to give my outlook on it from a person actually trying to solve problems i'll give my best outlook i don't think a guy like elon musk or jeff bezos would even care to want to be on my podcast so I, I guess I got to do the best that I can with what I have, man. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to make friends in this industry, mainly because the, the fitness industry and, and the rehab industry and just in general, the, the self-help industry is filled with people trying to fill tiny little gaps. And really what functional patterns represents is kind of like it's the whole enchilada and then some. And so it makes it difficult for me to like talk to somebody and entertain what they do because I'm like, honestly, bro, like I don't mean to be condescending to what you do, but what you, what you do is not that effective. It's like, it's conceptually speaking, it makes sense on, on a certain level, but it's erroneous on most levels. And because it's erroneous on most levels, it makes it very difficult for me to kind of go in there and, and, uh, and like try and network, I guess. So I'm going to do the best that I can by myself doing what I can, uh, give my perspectives based upon what my struggles are and how I view the world and the way that I solve problems. And if it happens to be useful for people, that's great. But I, I know that I, that my core audience, which is probably about like around four or 5,000 people, they need this message, especially now more than ever. And so what I want to do is ensure that I give them a, a coherent message that will help them, you know, navigate this world better, easier with that, like maybe, maybe take some of the guilt off of their shoulders or maybe relinquish some pressure because, you know, when you're an FP practitioner, which a lot of people that end up watching this are, um, you go through the struggles that other people don't want to go through. Most people, when they go see a trainer, what are they thinking? You know, I want somebody who's going to give me promises. I want white, dirty white little lies is what I want. When I go see a doctor, I want the pill. Give me the pill. When you go see a functional patterns practitioner, it's like, look, you're going to have to put in work for years if you really want to figure your stuff out. This isn't just like, hey, look, here's a pill and you just solve your problem. It doesn't work like that. It's like with FP, you have to do real work. You have to really investigate the nature of who you are if you really want to get the real results. Your results are going to be stagnated by, by the amount that you actually want to get into your problems. 
And on my end, I'm trying to get all the way to the deepest aspects of my problems. So me personally, um, my, my goal is to try and, uh, you know, narrate a lot of the experiences that people are having in my community and just kind of be like, hey, look, in about five years to 10 years, you're going to develop, a, if you do this the right way, you're not trying to turn yourself into some self-guru giving people advice when you, when you can't even get results yourself. Um, but if you're going to do this the right way, in about five to 10 years, you're going to develop a certain sense of mastery in helping people. And when you develop that mastery, uh, it'll come with, with competence and then all, all sorts of other opportunities are going to be presented to you. So um, that's really my intent with this, with this podcast is to try and give those individuals um, a better picture of what's going on in their life so they can kind of speed up the process towards mastery and, be, and get at the highest level of what a human being should operate as. I'll do one more. Okay, I guess I'll just read off this last one that, that just came up. Is there more talents you have that would benefit the world in one form or another? Or do you think this is your true calling and ultimate reality in parentheses FP? I don't think that there's a better thing for human beings than being able to move every cell in your body. Every, every, all the time you hear people talking about breathing, breathe, breathe, breathe. And no matter what you do, man, just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Guess what? All your cells breathe uh, individually, right? Cellular respiration precedes uh, lung respiration. So if I can teach you to have respiration in all aspects of your body, then that means I'm focusing precisely on what is the most important thing that a human being could ever have. You need respiration. And I teach people how to have respiration. This is my objective. So yeah, I have other talents. I, music was what one. If I, if, I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have made it as a trainer doing what I do, um, then for sure I would have gone into music and murdered it there. I, had, I have no doubts. I, I have a very, really what it comes down to when, when it comes to being good as a sound engineer or being a good producer, it just comes down to be, wanting to really be amazing at what you do. That's what it comes down to. When I look at all the guys, when I study all the guys like Dr. Dre and whatnot, it's just obsession. And on my end, I tend to have a capacity to be obsessive. And I'm very good at recognizing patterns and, and judging what people are going to like with certain things. I have a good vision for that. So I have other talents. Um, I feel that maybe product development maybe isn't like my strongest suit, but, but little by little, it's becoming a strong suit because I'm starting to understand how engineering works, understanding like where what what need needs to be fulfilled. Um, the, the problem with capitalism is that if, you, if you're going to um, play within the confines of capitalism, you have, to, you have to, in order to make money, you have to take the simplest concepts and sell those first and then put the more beneficial complex concepts on the shelf until you have more money to, in, in money meaning resources, to actually be able to fund those other concepts. So that's the problem with capitalism. You never get to actually like get to the source of what you want to solve because you always have to worry about making a profit. And so um, going back to the, to the other uh, question, I'm, I'm, I'm deviating. Uh, I believe that my talents are where they need to be. I think all the potentials that I have, my upbringing, uh, my willingness to want to solve problems is going to where it needs to go. So I don't, I think I'm good. I think I'm, I think... I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And, uh, you know, the industry's gotten a lot better. The fitness industry has definitely improved substantially. You see people slinging everywhere that aren't even FP. You see people everywhere slinging. Things are great, man. And I think I've, I've, I'm not the guy that started any of this stuff, but at least I'm a guy that's been pushing it in that direction, I feel, that I've, I've helped that quite a bit. I've definitely, I'll definitely say this. FP has legitimized it. And people don't see all this stuff as clown dancing anymore. Back when I used to do multi-dimensional movement, people used to call me a clown. Or multi-plane ballistic movements in the way that we do them. People used to call me a clown. And then they saw the results and then they said, Ooh, wait a minute, let me reconsider what I'm talking about. Because if, if this methodology brings about all these results that no other systems can, then we need to re have a reconsideration. So I believe that what functional patterns has provided is a sense of legitimacy for the, for the ideas that we're promoting. And that is really, really important as it relates to our health as a species moving forward. And health is number one. I don't care who you are. If you have poor health, you can't live a happy life. And if, if I can give you the fundamentals of what it means to be a functional human, 
a healthy human, there's nothing that can surpass that in terms of importance. I'll take one more. Give me one more. Mm-hmm. You guys got me a little bit inspired. Thank you guys for the questions, man. These are really good questions. Like, Jesus, man. Okay, if, you, if you guys would have known what my life was like six, seven years ago, if you guys look at the, and, and keep this in mind, I'm going to do everything in my capacity to not bring people up here because I feel, and I'll talk about, uh, let's write this down for another topic in the future, Pablo. Um, creating common enemies. So I'm, my intent here is not to try and create a common enemy. That's not my intent. Um, I think Brett Contreras is a good dude. As you guys know, probably most people here, I debated Brett Contreras. He's a, one of the most respected PhDs in the field. And uh, if, you look, if you look at his original debate challenge to me about five, six years ago, you'll, understand, you'll look at it back now going like, whoa, what? These fools were asking like one plus one equals two questions while you were trying to do like much more complicated math. Like I was seen as a nut job at that time. So... It really brings me joy. I wouldn't say joy. It gives me a sense of like hope is what it is. When you guys ask me the questions that you do, I'm like, geez, man, this is awesome. This is amazing. So to all you that are asking these questions and not the socially awkward, I'm sure there's probably been a few socially awkward ones that have popped up. Or are they pretty minimal, Pablo? It's, it's less. Okay, which is awesome. So I'm, I'm glad that that's mostly being fizzled out and people are really trying to get to the root of their problems. I think it's amazing. Um, don't lose that. Keep it going. Um, it, I feed off of it personally, and I, I personally appreciate it, and I thank you guys so much for prompting me with these types of questions. And I'll do whatever I can to give as much perspective as I can on it. Um, man, there's so many unknowns to what I've, what I've like, studied, and I'll, 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 I'll give you guys the, the, the best answers that I can with my still fairly limited knowledge. But uh, yeah, man, you guys are asking phenomenal questions and I appreciate it. I'll, I'll give one more. I'll, I'll answer one more. <laughs> what do I mean by socially awkward? It's like, let's say, for example, somebody says, Naudi, how much money do you make? I'm just like, or Naudi, you're just oriented by money. I'm like, obviously, who isn't oriented by money? It's like, duh. It's like, yeah, like the sky is blue, bro. It's like we live in a capitalistic economy. I'm like, do, you, do we need to bring up the cynical, obvious nature of our existence? Do I need to bring that up? Right? Like, I don't, like, that's, to me, that's a socially awkward question. It's like, for me, I think a socially awkward question is one that's not trying to get uh, at, at the root of a problem. So if you're trying to deviate from the problem, to me, that's, an, uh, that's a socially aberrated question. That's, that's a, that's, that's a question designed to deviate from a problem. So for me, a question that focuses on the problem is a good question. Uh, a question that, do, that detracts from trying to solve the problem is a socially awkward question to me. So maybe that's a good way of answering it. That's my perspective on it, guys. And uh, that will conclude. It seems like we were recording the whole time this time. So I guess that's, that will conclude. Uh, I guess we could classify it as podcast number something but this is officially the function uh, uh functional the functional podcast episode one uh i thank you guys for your time i'm not going to have this up obviously you guys will have to wait till it gets uploaded on youtube and then i guess some podcast thing right we'll just save the audio and put it on there later